Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. This is the post-Final Four edition. We last talked to you last week, late night, after Baylor won the national championship by beating Gonzaga. Had a great conversation with Scott Drew. So, Baylor's your national champs. This past week, actually did a NCAA social series with Davion Mitchell and Haley Jones from Stanford, men's and women's champs. So, on this week's edition, it's now turning to the new coaches, Indiana's Mike Woodson will join me, Mark Adams from Texas Tech, and Drew Valentine from Loyola of Chicago. So great pickups all around, interesting hires. Mike Woodson coming from the NBA. Mark Adams was essentially the defensive mind guru for uh, Chris Beard, replacing him in Lubbock. And Drew Valentine, the older brother of Denzel Valentine, who played at Michigan State, Drew Valentine, takes over for Loyola Chicago's Porter Mosier, who goes to Oklahoma. We'll talk about Sister Jean and this opportunity that he's got. And then in Cats ranks, we're going to look at the top 10 this week of schools who have benefited in some form or fashion, early entrance, not choosing to go that route and coming back, or transfers coming out of the portal, coming back, or going to their new school. So a couple things before we get to Mike Woodson. Let me just say this. Baylor was a deserving champ. They were ultimately the best team in the country. We thought it was Gonzaga. Gonzaga was 1B uh, at the end of the day. Baylor was the best team. And this doesn't always happen that the best team wins the national championship. But it was the case here. I really believe now that had Baylor not had the COVID pause, I think they would have gone undefeated. So just taking a little sort of stock in everything, they absolutely dominated They threw the first punch, and Gonzaga was wobbly and couldn't return it. And I think we all were a little romanticized by how Gonzaga-UCLA ended. And because of that, it was late night. We almost forgot how good Baylor was in beating Houston. And when Macy Oteague, Davion Mitchell, and Jared Butler all making shots, I mean, that's the thing. As much as it was their defense on Gonzaga, you could argue that Gonzaga's poor ball screen defense, inability to challenge those shooters. That was the difference. And then Mark Vital just dominating Drew Timmy inside. But as I said then, we cannot dismiss what an unbelievable season Gonzaga had, 31-1, and historic. And we'll see what happens as we go forward and the Zags building the roster. And our Power 36 that you saw last week, that will change. But Baylor... 
was as deserving a champ as we've seen in a long time. And that team will go down, certainly in Baylor history. But I think we should look at them historically, and we'll do this, obviously, about how good a team they were. And we're going to start comparing them to other teams going forward. And they're going to be up there because they were dominant. So I want to get to my interviews. And amid all that, my cat's ranks. So let's start off with Mike Woodson. Mike, welcome back to college basketball and to the Big Ten. What was the deciding factor in deciding to go back to your alma mater and to college basketball? Well, you know, I've been with the program ever since I left college to go play professional basketball and to coach on the professional level. So I've watched our team over the years and we've had our struggles, you know, since coaches left. It hadn't been the same, I don't think. And that's no knock against the coaches that have coached here. And I've always, in the back of my mind, wanted to come back. But the timing was never right for me because I was always coaching in the NBA. I always had a head coaching job when the job came up. When Archie got the job, I tried then and I struck out. And so you wish Archie Miller nothing but the best. And when it came back around this time, I was an assistant coach this time with the Knicks. And I got the call uh, from Scott Dawson, our AD, that he had interest in possibly bringing me back. So I had him fly to New York and meet me and sit down. And we had about a two and a half hour meeting, which I thought was very productive. He left and didn't promise me anything. I thought after the meeting, he said, hey, coach, the job is yours. But it wasn't that simple. He came back and continued to do his due diligence on who he was going to hire. And about a week later, I got the call that uh, he wanted to bring me back, man. And I couldn't be more excited. So I can't say everything's perfect because nothing is ever perfect. But you've had a pretty tremendous first week or so on the job. And I think about already the staff, you know, I want to get to Thad Mata's role in a moment, but Dane Fife, who, you know, played there, was on the last Final Four team there, has really immersed himself in the Big Ten at Michigan State, getting Trace Jackson Davis to return, uh, who I think could end up being the preseason Big Ten Player of the Year, Christian Lander. Overall, your transfer portal is going well, and we've already seen with Baylor winning the championship how Transfers are now a new thing, and you're going to need them. So it feels like right off the bat, things are going, I wouldn't say as scripted, but pretty well. How would you assess your first week or so on the job? Well, I'm excited. You know, I'm still trying to get acclimated to what college basketball is all about. You know, with this new portal thing where players are entering the portal, I've been fighting the last week in terms of trying to keep our own players, players I think can help us continue to grow and win basketball games. And so that's been a kind of a nightmare because again, you know, until the players decide they want to come back, you still got to put a basketball team together, you know, bringing Dan from Michigan state, you know, is a major plus for me. He's a guy who's been in the college game, especially in the big 10 side of it. And, and has coached it at his highest level for a great coach and, and Coach Izzo. So, you know, I'm excited about Dane wanting to even come back and leave Michigan State, but I know how 
he's passionate about our university and our program. So it's great to have him on board, but I still got to fill a few more spots. You know, I was able to keep Kenyon Hunter on staff with this team last season, and I still got to fill another spot, which I'm working on as we speak. The main thing is our players. You know, I got to upgrade this roster in order to compete in the Big Ten. I mean, when I've watched the Big Ten this season, everybody's competitive. And on any given night, if you don't come to play, you can be beaten. So, you know, we got to add more pieces. We got to keep the guys that I think can help us win basketball games. And I'm going to continue to push and grab and scratch and do everything I can to make that happen. Because at the end of the day, that's the only reason why I came back, Andy, is to win a Big Ten title and to try to win a national title and put us back on top. So, Mike, I mean, the TJD return, you know, because you've been in the league, players like him just normally don't come back because they can get drafted and they want to move on to their professional life. So what was that conversation like to where, you know, Trace says, you know what, I want to play for you? Well, it was a great sit down. You know, I spoke to his parents and that's important, man. I'm trying to build something where everybody's on the same page, like a family atmosphere. And I was honest with the young man. You know, I mean, it's not easy jumping from college to the NBA. You know that. You watched it over the years. And I honestly thought as a coach, just leaving 30-some years of playing and coaching in the NBA, I honestly thought I could help this young man polish his game for another season and get him ready to possibly be a top-10 draft pick. You know, I mean, that's what it's all about to me, not rolling the dice now and hoping that it works out. And I thought he he listened. His parents were, you know, excited about our meeting when we sat here and talked. You know, I think if I can get him in the gym and add a little more to his game, I can't help but think it's going to help us as a ball club and help him individually moving forward. Tell me how Thad Mata fits into all this. Well, he's a big piece to the puzzle. I thought it was brilliant what our AD came up with and Scott Dawson in terms of putting someone next to him that has had major success in college basketball. And Thad has done it all pretty much from his days at Butler in his 13 years that he coached in the Big Ten at Ohio State. So that's a plus for me. I'm coming in dry, guy who's never coached in college basketball, but as far as I'm concerned, basketball is basketball. I mean, I don't care what level it is. You know, you got to prepare and you got to get talent. And you got to push and make sure that everybody's on the same page on and off the floor. I mean, it hadn't changed since I played college basketball. You know, I got a lot of work on my hands. I get that, but I'm willing to put my best foot forward along with that and my supporting cast when I finish putting my staff together, you know, I think we'll have a good enough staff that we can move forward and move the needle here at Indiana University. People next season, what will an Indiana team look like coached by Mike Woodson? What will that style of play look like? Well, the one thing I'll say is this, until I can assemble my team and see where we are as a basketball team, my ideal style is going to be defense first, sharing the ball offensively, and I'm going to try to make it fun for our guys offensively where we're up and down the floor playing together, but unselfishly playing together because that's, that's the key to having a great offensive team. So that's kind of my, my thinking going in right now. A couple of years ago, when Bob Knight came back, 
It was an unbelievable moment. Yep. Now that you are the head coach, what are the chances that we will see even more of a connection to the night era players? Hopefully, maybe he could come back again if he's feeling well. Uh, but just, you know, opening the sort of the floodgates of bringing back, you know, so many night players and feeling a connection to the program, much like we see with Michigan State as an example, where Magic during the season may call a player if he's not having a good game. You know, that kind of connection with the famous players that played at Indiana that will feel toward your current players. Well, I'm going to open the doors up for everybody to come back. You know, I mean, that's going to always be important to me. It's always been important. You know, the family's important to me, Andy. And a lot of the old players paved the way for where we are today. That's it. It's so important. You know, and if coach wants to come back, he's going to be let in with open doors because make no mistake about it. Indiana basketball is Bob Knight. Uh, you know, I don't care how you slice it. It's Bob Knight. And he's coached a lot of great players over the years that had a lot to do with this program being in the position it is in today. I'm going to bring the old guys back. I'm going to bridge them with the new guys and we're going to treat it like a family again because that's how it was back in the old days. And that was fun. You know, I mean, we're going to have a golf tournament where I'm going to assemble everybody. I mean, we're going to do some things that we can start bonding again, you know, as a family. And I think that will be huge for our program moving forward. I've gotten a lot of feedback, man, from ex-players that have called. I will have a big gathering where I bring them back, man, because that's what this is all about. It was always that way, even when I played here and after I left. So I'm looking forward to getting them all back and mingling and chopping it up and sharing no ideals again. Well, congratulations, Mike. Great to have you back in college basketball. Thanks, Andy, for me. Hey, listen, let's stay in touch, man. I appreciate you. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. All right, it's time now for Katz Ranks. And for this week and really going forward a lot this spring, I'm going to look at the big winners in the transfer portal in terms of either players that have decided to enter it, return to their same school, players that maybe even decided not to even enter it, or went on to a new school, because this is going to be the main topic in the spring. In addition to the NBA draft early entry deadline of May 30th, the roster management in the spring, this is what's going to be the main topic. So, as you'll see on my list, some of these players return. Some are at a new school. Let's start out, and we will have other schools listed here. But I'm going to do this by school and then tell you what has happened at each one. Let's start at number 10. Penn State. New head coach, Micah Shrewsbury. He gets Isaiah Brockington recommitted out of the portal. Miles Dredd, Sam Sessions, they didn't even enter it. So, big win for Penn State, Micah Shrewsbury. At number 9. And all these are official that I'm rattling off. Gabe Kausher going from Minnesota to Iowa State. So Iowa State at number nine. Kausher was hurt last season for most of it. Really good shooter when he's healthy. Best on-ball defender that Minnesota had. So who really helped new head coach TJ Otzelberger. Number eight, Providence. Al Durham, very durable for Indiana. Going from Indiana to Providence. Ed Cooley needed an experienced guard like that. He saw him in the relocated Maui Invitational down in Asheville, North Carolina earlier this season. So Al Durham gets the experience to Providence. At number seven, Michigan State. They needed an experienced guard. They got one in Tyson Walker. 
from Northeastern. It's a bump up from Colonial to the Big Ten, but we've already seen how moving up in the Big Ten, you can do well. Duncan Robinson, Mike Smith, just a couple examples from the Ivy or D3 in Duncan Robinson's case. Fully expect Tyson Walker to make an impact from the Colonial to the Big Ten. At number six, Notre Dame. Paul Atkinson goes from Yale to Notre Dame. Experienced player, double figure score. There was no Ivy League this past season. He needed a home. So he's going to play for the Irish. Paul Atkinson, an established score, rebounder. He'll fit right in in the ACC. Number five, Syracuse. Cole Swider going from Villanova to Syracuse, joining Buddy Beheim, who did not leave. So you've got Swider, who can make that shot from the perimeter. Bigger guy, kind of a tweener. Buddy Beheim, Buddy Buckets. That's a huge coup for Syracuse to get Swider. Just experienced player right next to Buddy Beheim. Now we go to number four, Kentucky. Earlier in the season, they picked up Oscar Shibwe from West Virginia. Big enforcer, rebounder. They'll need him inside. This is going to be a whole new team. Then they pick up Kellen Grady from Davidson. Sharpshooter, experienced. He can go for 20, 25. Those are two players right off the bat. They're going to have major impact in the SEC for Kentucky. At number three, Arkansas. Love this pickup. Chris Likes from Miami. Combine him with Evo Davis, who made a big shot for the Razorbacks in the NCAA tournament. So remember, they're losing Moses Moody to the NBA draft. You get Likes and Davis and Eric Musselman will have Arkansas right near the top of the SEC again. At number two, this is a team that I think can compete for the Big Ten title, Maryland. And they got two impact transfers right off the bat. Fats Russell, experienced lead guard from Rhode Island, and Kudus Wahab from Georgetown. So they get a point and a big. We'll see what happens with Aaron Wiggins and Eric Ayala if they come back. But if they do, then Maryland is going to be stacked because Fats Russell and Kudus Wahab, right off the bat, are going to have a major impact for the Terps. And at number one, Indiana. Big pickups from Trace Jackson Davis not going anywhere. That's number one. Re-recruiting him and Christian Lander. That's the biggest news, no question, because you're getting Trace Jackson Davis who I think will be the preseason Big Ten Player of the Year, unless there's a couple guys that come back. But I think right off the bat, he is a first-team All-Big Ten, maybe a first-team All-American. So Mike Woodson gets Trace Jackson Davis to come back. That is a major coup for him at Indiana. So that's my top 10 for essentially week one of this process of the transfer portal, NBA draft entrance, who's coming, who's going. Top 10, 10 to 1 here in college basketball. And now joining me here, March Madness, March Madness 365, the new head coach from Texas Tech, Mark Adams. And Mark, you know, Chris Beard used to sort of jokingly poke a little at you at times. You were mentioned constantly. And now it's your time. We didn't know this would all happen. It happened. And it's your time to step up. How ready are you for this challenge to be the new head coach at Texas Tech? Andy, I appreciate you having me on. And you mentioned about Coach Beard. You know, I wouldn't be here without Coach. And we're longtime friends, and he gave me an opportunity here. So I'll be forever indebted to him. Yeah, he did poke fun at me. I was kind of the punchline a lot of times. But when you make fun of people, it's just another way to show how much you care about and love them. And we had a lot of fun together for six years. 
starting at Little Rock and then building the program here. But just to hear you say head coach is music to my ears. And and uh, this is my home, raised 30 miles from here and just love this place and excited to be here and overwhelming support. It's a dream come true for me. Yeah, Mark, I mean, you guys did, and I say you guys, because obviously Chris, and it was natural that he got a lot of the attention. He should, he's the head coach. But it was a staff, and I include all of you, were you know critical in creating this culture and letting the players be themselves. I always admired that every time I was around you guys, that it just felt like everyone was allowed to be free, for lack of a better term, but it was controlled. I mean, it wasn't like just complete chaos. It was, you could be you as long as you did what we needed you to do. It felt like both things could be, you know, on the same parallel lines and it worked. How do you ensure that that still happens going forward? You know, I think just being honest and transparent with them, but we'll always encourage guys to, we want to know what they're thinking. We talk a lot about, or at least I do, uh, my philosophy is I've got a way of doing things and uh, I'm going to tell you why I'm doing it. But if you've got a better way to do it and we talk about it, then we can do that as well. So we're always asking guys about certain things. We want them invested and take ownership in our program as as what we did here with the previous staff. And um, the theme will be playing hard, attacking on both ends, trying to be the most aggressive team we can be every game, every possession. So in terms of the transfer portal, and I know this is going to change, but as we are taping this, where do things stand of who was going to leave and who actually is coming back? You know, Andy, when you mentioned that transfer portal, it, it is a it's changed the whole landscape of recruiting. We're all kind of trying to figure this thing out. But it, it gives players a lot of options and empowers everybody, all these players across the country. But we've been very fortunate that every one of our guys is coming back, except possibly two, and I'm still busy with those guys. No one's told me no yet, but we've got a couple guys in the portal that told me today they're getting back out of the portal to stay here. So we're going to have the core of our group back, thank goodness. They love Texas Tech, and they love this program, and they're excited to move forward. All right, so help me out here in terms of just – Specific names who have at least committed to coming back as we're talking, as we're taping here. Yes. Well, Kyler Edwards, for one, that was in the portal. Also, Marcos Santos Silva's wanting to come back, and he's committed. Uh, Kevin McCullough, who did not get in the portal, that's one of our players that played the most minutes, great leader. So you got uh, three of those starters back already. A lot of the guys that didn't play as many minutes have also committed as coming back. So we're excited. I mean, we, we've got the commitment of these guys. They're going to help us recruit and we're on the phones every day trying to get some more players. Where does it stand with Mac McClung? Great question. He's one of those guys that we've got to spend some more time with, and he's certainly listening and has not made a decision at this point. But everything that I've heard from Mac and his family and the conversation that we had a couple of days ago was very positive. I think it gets to a point where you've already transferred once. It's got to be very difficult to then transfer a second time, even if there's a coaching change to go through that whole beginning process for a third school, not just at Texas Tech, but in general in the transfer process, I'll be very interested to see how often that happens because that's really difficult to go through it, you know, a third time. You know, it really is, Andy. I mean, change is always uncomfortable. I think uh, if guys will take their time and, and, and look at all the things we have here, which these guys do, you know, we got an unbelievable fan base, the nicest ring in the Big 12, we just built this unbelievably practice facility we'll be moving into this week. And, and along with our players coming back, being in the Big 12, you start looking at, you know, all the positives here. There's a lot of reasons to stay at, at Texas Tech. What does it mean to the Big 12 and Texas Tech to now have a national champion? First one since Kansas won it in 08. 
and the first one, obviously, in the state of Texas since 1966, Texas Western, with Baylor winning the title. You know, we've got a winning tradition and uh, a reputation. We're in the top 25 all year. So that's a lot easier to get on the phone and talk to recruits because they already know about us and they know that we how we compete and that we're going to win. So that's in our favor. And we're going to continue that mindset that, you know, we're going to win here and we're not going to compromise. We're not going to settle. We're going to continue to, to get better. Having Baylor in the Big 12, we're so excited for those guys. And that kind of even raises the bar. But a lot of good players out here in Texas and great coaches in this league. And it helps us all as far as just with our prestige and sending that signal around the country that we've got a great league. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The two last NCAA tournaments, a team from Texas, yours, and now Baylor, were competing for the national championship. And you guys were right there to potentially win it. And that was just two years ago. So things are going well in the state of Texas. And I'm curious, on that 2019 title game, obviously there was a pandemic and we're still in the midst of it. But how much were you guys able to benefit off of playing for the national championship? Well, tremendously. You, know, you look back, you know, it's been a couple of years. I mean, you know, Virginia was the champion at that time. We were runner-up, so we could use that out in recruiting. And you start looking at wins in the NCAA tournament. I think we had more than anyone for the last two years until this year. So, uh, you know, it's all about perception, Andy. And, and uh, right now, the perception is that we've got a winning program. We do. And uh, we're excited about moving forward with that reputation. You grew up near there. Why did you believe what you and Chris and the entire staff were able to do to this point was possible? The word is believe. You have to get those players to believe that way before it happens. And um, I've been fortunate to be, have some great players. God's blessed me to be at some places where I've won. Actually, every place I took over, it's about had losing seasons. But, uh, you know, you talk about cutting down the nets back in the fall, and uh, we did that here. And they got a first belief where you can achieve it. So it's a mindset. And um, here's a lot easier now because we have, you know, Kyler Edwards on this team that was on that team that uh, won a Big 12 championship that knows all about winning. And, and a lot of these other guys that we brought in do the same. But, you know, I've come from a winning background and a little comfortable bragging on myself. And I'm a proven winner. I've been in three national championships myself. I all went to overtime and I was fortunate enough to, two as a head coach, and I was fortunate enough to win one when I had Jay Crowder on that team in a junior college at Howard College in 2010. Well, Mark, I love it when someone like yourself, who has been in this business for so long, gets that opportunity that they deserve. And uh, I know you're going to do exceptionally well in this Keep Texas Tech at a high level and competing for Final Fours and obviously Big 12 titles. So, Mark, congratulations, and I know we'll be talking quite a bit. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Andy. Again, this is my home, and uh, I love being here. It's my dream job, and I'm so excited to be here and talk about that. So, thank you. And here's Drew Valentine, the new head coach at Loyola of Chicago. Drew, I love this hire. I love that you're getting this shot to keep the culture, the program going in the right direction. You were a key part of everything that obviously Porter built there. This, I think, is just a wonderful hire at the right time. So why do you feel that you are right for this job at this time? Well, I just feel like we've, like you said, built a really good culture here. Coach did a great job. The assistants that came before me, um, I can't thank them enough. And then by the time I got here, you know, I hopped on and helped us really sustain what we had going on here and helped us sustain the culture, helped us, you know, recruit, helped us coach on the floor, individual workouts, all the things that you do as an assistant coach. What could I do to try to make Porter's life easier? So I was trying to think like a head coach, even when I wasn't in the chair that I am now. I, I just think it's the right hire at the right time because, you know, our players are staying. 
you know, we'll see what happens with our seniors, but I think we'll be able to keep continuity and keep what's made this place special. The culture there in terms of the way you played is you guys did an unbelievable job of taking out the best player. And it was never more apparent than in that Illinois game because you absolutely throttled Io DeSumo. That's sort of the mantra. We're not going to let the best player beat us. How do you make sure that keeps happening? Well, got to give a lot of respect to Io, Kofi, just their whole team. Carbello is a hell of a player. Like, he's going to have a extremely bright, bright future. I know he was on the all-freshman team in the Big Ten, but... I mean, just their team. I think our guys, you know, they've got a chip on their shoulder. And when we play opponents like that, they look at it as opportunities to show that we belong. To answer your question, I think um, my role was kind of like the defensive coordinator role with our team, you know, kind of the last two years since, you know, Coach Mullins left at SIU. So, you know, defensively, I want to do a lot of the same things because, you know, I think Porter and I, you know, collaborated a ton. Obviously, he made the final decisions and Everybody knows how bright of a basketball mind and just how much work he puts in from the scouting standpoint to to get us to those game plans and how he teaches it and how he makes it easy for our guys to understand and execute on the floor. So but my plan is to, you know, kind of keep things similar. Obviously, I got to continue to add my own twists on the things. But, you know, I think my defensive coordinator role the past couple of years has kind of prepared me to continue the defense that we've had over the past couple of years. So to that point, what makes it so tough to score on a Loyola team? I think it's our discipline. And I think it's the guys' commitment and belief in what we do. No matter what you do, you can have the best scheme in the world. If your players, if you don't have good players that can have the ability to execute a game plan, but we all know it doesn't matter. So first of all, you know, we've got Lucas Williamson, Here Ugwag, Braden Norris, Marquise Kennedy, Cameron Crutwig, Jacob Hudson, Tate Hall. But we got guys that are versatile defenders, that have size, that have strength, that can go out there and execute the game plan. And they really believe in what we do. You know, the way that we prepare for an exhibition game is the same way that we prepare for an NCAA tournament game. There's no difference. So by the time we get to an NCAA tournament game, it's just easy. They don't feel the pressure. They're completely bought in. It's the culture here. So that's, you know, I think a big part of our defense and how we've done things. Drew, uh, Porter was like wound up. Kind of like me. I mean, I'm always got energy. (laughs) I'm always wired. So when you step into that role and literally are standing instead of sitting, how much are you going to be, because I haven't seen you in that spot. I mean, are you going to have sort of that same energy? Are you a little more reserved? Because he's like constantly pacing. He's moving. He's moving. Man, I've always told myself that I would try to be chill, you know, because I was a player. But just knowing me and knowing my coaching style and, and the passion that I have for the game, I'm probably going to be running around crazy. My wife's going to have to tell me like after every game to like chill it out. So, but I love the game. I love our players. I'm passionate. I want them to do well. And that's all I'm here to do. I don't want it to be by myself, but just, you know, to answer your question, I'm, I'm probably going to be running around crazy. <laughs> so Drew, you teased this a little. What are the chances that any of these seniors would come back? Well, I think they're all working through their process. You know, I think all of them, they love this place. You know, the, the culture here is special. Our university is special. The support is special. And the way that they've been able to, you know, help elevate this program to the next level, it means a lot to them. Legacy means a lot to those guys. So, like I told them, I'm just here to help them. I want to be a resource and whatever I can do to, you know, give them confidence or provide information or, or give them advice on what I think they should do, I'm here for them. All right. So, what was your first conversation as head coach? with Sister Jean like? You know, it was awesome. She told me that she supported me. Me and Sister have built up, you know, a pretty good relationship. You know, she's been awesome, you know, from a on-campus standpoint. Like if we're walking around and we see her, we always, 
you know, I always will pop into her office if I see her in there. So we've gotten to know each other on my first, like when I came here on my interview, they took me into her office and I met her about four years ago. So I told her I'm looking forward to, you know, taking the emails and phone calls that Porter was taking from her. And, you know, I just told her I appreciate her and everything that she does for our program. All right. So who will you lean on if you need that lifeline to just pick the brain of a fellow mentor during the course of this first year as a head coach? I think I'm going to lean on a lot of people. You know, I'm going to lean on my dad first and foremost. You guys know that he was a you know high school coach and somebody that is super familiar with just me and our program as well. He spends so much time. He travels to, I mean, normally during a normal year, he tries to not miss a home game and, and they travel on the road. They were at the you know Arch Madness. They were at the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to lean on him. Also, Coach Izzo, he was an internal hire after Judd Heathcote at Michigan State. And, you know, we have a pretty good relationship. And Coach and I have been going back and forth over this past, you know, it seems like it's six days now. It seems like about a month. But we've been going back and forth about, you know, kind of what his transition was like and just advice that he has for me. Also, I'm going to lean on Coach Moser. I mean, I'm going to call him. I mean, he knows this place. He knows the style. He knows the players on our team. You know, so I'm going to lean on him for advice. Another person is Brian Mullins, you know, one of my really, really good friends, you know, that took over the Southern Illinois program. And we have a great relationship. We talk ball all the time. He's been a great, um, just a great friend and, and, and somebody I can always be a sounding board for each other, bouncing things off of. So I think, you know, those guys in particular are people that I'm really going to bounce stuff off of. There's clearly been this season, this coaching carousel. I don't have the numbers right now. I'm just basing on what I'm seeing that clearly more African-American coaches are being hired than I think ever before percentage-wise, but they're all are deserving. They've earned it. There's no handouts here. I mean, all really good candidates across the board. Just what is your opinion on what you have seen maybe potentially in the landscape on how that is changing and maybe college basketball could be more of a trailblazer of trying to change the narrative in sports. I have absolutely loved to see it. There's so many guys, like you said, that are deserving of opportunities. And the fact that so many of those guys, you know, guys that, you know, I've become friends with and since I've been, you know, working in this business over the course of my career, you know, seeing them get an opportunity, knowing how good, you know, people they are, knowing how hard they work and how hard they've helped to whatever programs they've been a part of help build those up and sustain those programs. So just seeing guys get opportunities, especially, you know, African-American coaches, minorities, I'm extremely proud to be uh, one of them. And I look forward to inspiring the next generation because that's what we want to do. We want to, when we, you know, the, the guys that I've talked to um, that have gotten hired, we want to really, you know, work as hard as we can to, to take advantage of this opportunity so that we can, you know, set up the next generation so that it can be a little bit easier for them to, to get these head coaching jobs. Drew, congratulations. I know you're going to do wonderful there. It's a program that I think is great for college basketball to continue to have success. And I know we'll talk quite a bit. Appreciate it, Drew. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. Appreciate your time, engagement. And look, we got a lot to talk about in this offseason and into the summer. A lot of things will be changing. So we're going to cover a lot of ground. We're going to still talk to a lot of these new coaches and high-profile schools. So stay with us. We're not stopping. The games have stopped. But there's a lot going on in the sport. And we are right here for you. As always, a big thank you to our team at Turner Sports and Bleacher Report, but certainly Turner Sports, Chad Acock, Abby Stoltz, Michael Kaplan, and our entire NCAA.com team and everything that they do for us in all the engagement and repurposing this podcast. Appreciate all of you. We will talk again next week. Stay safe, everyone.